Hey everybody, this is Just Sold with Bryn McIntosh for the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. My name is Bryn Griffiths. Look who's here. It's Bryn McIntosh. Hello, Bryn. How are what you? What a shock. I'm shocked that you're with us on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Since it's yours. Making a surprise appearance on his own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, uh, we've got a special guest with us today. We do. Um, again, as, as last week, week we, we talked about a charity. We're going to do it again. And this one is near and dear to my heart. Joining us from the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation, the Senior Development Officer, we have Angela Bennett. Angela, how are you? I am great. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. No, thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to talk about the Stollery today, which is something um, that most Edmonton, anybody who's lived in Edmonton for any length of time would know about. But uh, before we get to that, tell us about yourself. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I am. I live just outside of Edmonton. I actually live in Devon and I have two of my own kids. And um, I've been with the Stollery almost four years now. And um yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. The, my work specifically is through um, and with national partners such as Remax and uh, super excited. This is our 30th anniversary uh, with our partnership and Children's Miracle Network. So that's a huge milestone as anybody who's married could attest to, I'm sure. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, um, why is it important to have a children's hospital? Why is it important to have the stallery? Let's start there. Um, well, so some fun facts here is that uh, 25% approximately of the population in Alberta, we are one of the youngest provinces, and 25% of our population is actually under the age of 18. Um, we do have over 100 hospitals that serve adults and sometimes kids, but are more catered to an adult population. We have over 100 of them, and yet there are only two in all of Alberta that cater to children. Um, so it's important because kids are very different than adults. Uh, surely, I mean, even just by size itself. Um, so kids are small and the smaller the child, the smaller the human being, the more complex and more um, specialized equipment that's required to um, help them. So that's why children's hospitals are important. That's great. Well, when did the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation start? So the actual Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation started in 2001. However, the work that was done prior to that started as early as 1978 um, with a lot of advocacy for a children's hospital and um, sharing the need about why it was important and why it was important for us, like in Edmonton, as capital city, to have our own uh, children's hospital. So um, it was through the vision of members of the community um, and uh, fundraising that happened before that, up leading into 2001, as well as a significant donation from Bob and Shirley Stollery that made it actually come to fruition. Yeah, there was actually Stolleries that started the foundation. It was, is where it gets its name because I, I don't think a lot of people would know that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were major funders and uh, major advocates for children's hospital. So there's only two in Alberta. How many is there in Canada? Thirteen. 13 hospitals in Canada looking after children's needs essentially is, is all. So not very many. When we, no. And, and the, the Edmonton Stollery is one of the largest of those 13, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and uh, very specialized. So we're the most specialized hospital in Western Canada. We also have, um, we serve the, the largest um, 
catchment area in all of North America, in fact. So the catchment area for us is all of Northern Alberta and also reaches into Northwest Territories and such. And um, so, yeah, we have a huge catchment area. Hey, Angela, every hospital has specialized things that maybe they do. I don't want to, I don't like to say a little bit better than other places, but it, it, it what's so special about the stallery? What, what do we do here that maybe isn't done at, at such a high level across the rest of the country or Western Canada? Um, that's a really great question. And um, essentially, I mean, you would expect this with the Mazakowski Heart Institute. We specialize definitely in hearts um, and organ transplants, um, but we have a lot of other specialties as well. Um, and we do see patients that come from other areas uh, for, for very different things. We are a hospital within a hospital, which gives like, there are definitely downfalls to that, but there are also some um, positives to that. And that is the fact that we do have that access really close down the hall or a phone call away where you might have, you know, a surgeon or somebody who's experienced something very unique um, just right at hand. So um, yeah, we, we definitely have that as well. How many kids a year go through the hospital? Um, over 300,000 kids every single year. Wow. Yeah. So it, I mean, it's incredibly important when you hear numbers like that. Um, like I, 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 you know, again, people would know about the stallery, but they probably wouldn't know that that's that large of a number that are being treated each and every year there. Um, what are some of, what are the, some of the things that the kids will be treated for again, to kind of expand our knowledge of, of what the hospital does? Well, I think kids come for every reason and any reason, um, everything, you know, from kind of your, you know, probably your most basic broken arm to some of your most, most complex, um, health conditions, um, and treatments. So, I mean, I, in, in just the work that I do, I've heard lots of stories of kids, you know, everything from, um, children born with like organs that might be not like outside their body that have to be kind of reintegrated with issues with their, you know, brains, brain function, heart conditions, cancer, like the conditions are very vast and, and, uh, far reaching. And, um, um, like, of course now mental health is becoming more important as well. Hey, before we talk about the great staff you have there, and they've come from all over the world to the Edmonton region to work at the story, but we have to talk about the specialized equipment that you have and you've got a lot of it, but it doesn't come cheaply. It's expensive stuff. And so fundraising for the story is so essential for you just to be able to keep up the speed on all the, the new techniques and the new equipment. Is it not? 110%. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we probably like you and I know how quickly the technology on our phones change. I mean, that's a very basic thing to say, but everybody knows that there's a new phone every single year. There's absolutely new technology every year. And, um, Research is absolutely one of the areas that we uh, fund through the donations that we collect. Um, and that becomes really important. I'm working closely with a, a young fellow right now who's 13 years old, had his first um, open heart surgery at eight months old, second open heart surgery at seven years old. And they said, like, if we can just get him to be an adult, then we can do a less invasive surgery. Um, but if we have to do it as a child, we still have to go in. And that was, um, so he's 13 now. So, you know, about five, six, seven years ago, and just in the changes in our, um, research and the developments that have occurred, he was able to have catheter surgery 
And for that child, um, you know, you might know people who have a heart attack and have a stint put in and it's, you know, it's through their arm or through their leg. For this kid, it actually not only meant a less invasive surgery and 27 hours in the hospital versus seven days, but it meant that he was able to go back to the sports that he loves, which are hockey and football. And the surgeons told him before that if he had to have another open heart surgery and break open in his chest cavity, that he wouldn't be able to do those because they are impact sports. So it just gives me goosebumps to think that like he's able to live a more normal life because of the research that's been funded and and advancements that have occurred. And that might not have happened 20 years ago, let's say. Wouldn't have happened five years ago. Five years ago. Oh, wow. Isn't that incredible? Um, Is there a fundraising goal this year for 2022? Um, there sure is. <laughs> okay. Cool is I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, I well, can tell well, you. It's got to change, right, Angela? It's got to. It's probably very fluid, right? Yeah, and we all have our own goals. Um, I can like there's some of the campaigns that we're working on right now, where we're looking to raise like six and a half million dollars for a mental health um, emergency department. So basically, so that we can integrate clinical um, mental health care into our emergency department. Um, And that is being funded and has been funded over the last couple of years, but we're still looking to get that physical space. And that will be a $6.5 million uh, fundraising goal. $5 million, uh, we're looking to fundraise for the beach. The beach is a space in the hospital where kids go fun. But the kids can be kids, um, arts and crafts, music therapy, pet therapy, all that happens there. And the best part is that it will, this $5 million renovation will double the size and include an outdoor space. So those kids that are in the hospital for weeks, months, and sometimes even a year at a time, will still be able to have sunshine on their face, hmm. falling on their nose in the winter time. Um, they'll still have those experiences. It's- and then the other, the other big campaign that we're doing is $13 million for pediatric uh, surgery clinic expansion. So that surgery clinic right now sees about 140 patients a day. Um, and basically by the expanding the clinic, we'll be able to see uh, more patients and receive the surgical care in a more timely fashion. That's great. I, I think most people would think that when, you know, when they're making a donation that it's usually just used for equipment, but as you've said twice here already, uh, mental health is, is something that's really important to the Stollery now. Absolutely. Um, I heard last week on, um, we, we get sometimes updates from the hospital and we had somebody in and they said pre COVID on average in the emergency department, they would see about two kids um, present with a mental health concern. And now post COVID and throughout COVID, the average is about six kids a day. So the need is huge. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Um, Where do most of the donations come from? They come from you and I and the general public. Um, They come from annual and monthly donors. They come from people who want to make like a a significant gift. Um, But at least half of them come from like special events, campaigns, and of course our uh, Mighty Millions lottery uh, that makes up a big chunk. So that's, that's everything from $2 at your, you know, local Walmart. That's everything from your local Remax agent who you buy or sell your house who makes a personal donation which is absolutely amazing um and it comes from yeah lottery tickets or attending an event we just had the teddy bear fun fest last weekend uh so maybe participating in that or sponsoring a friend family member 
one of the things I, I've heard from a few people is they say, well, I don't really need the services of the stallery. And I go, wait a minute. Do you mm-hmm. not know kids? Are you not right. a grandparent? Are you not, you know, maybe a young couple, you don't have kids yet. At some point, the stallery is going to touch your lives and you want it to be there for you, right? 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, as a mom, I feel like it's insurance. I'm super grateful that I don't, I haven't had to really use the stallery. Um, but it's the place you don't want to be. But if you have to be there, it's the best place to be. So you want to make sure that if you have a personal story or somebody close to you who's there, you want to make sure that everything that they're getting is the best possible care um, and the best, the best people, the best training. And you have doctors from all over the all over the globe that come here and live in Edmonton because they've heard about the great work that you guys are doing. It's amazing, isn't it? A hundred percent. And and really, we're not able to attract that kind of caliber of doctors, nurses, and uh, professional people without the help of donations and without the help of um, basically our donors. So that's it's huge. You mentioned um, the mental health was up because of COVID-19. What else has changed at the hospital and the foundation in the last two years? Um, Some of the things that we saw for sure were we did see a decrease in visits. So the 300,000 number I said earlier, that's our average. That's like a very average year. That number specifically was, I believe, from 2019, 317,000. People didn't come to the hospital as much during COVID, of course, they, you know, there was the fear of, you know, what's, what's going on. Um, so we did see a decrease in visits, which also, you know what I mean? That has its own ripple effect. Um, the other thing too, is that some of the spaces that we had just opened up, we had just opened up, um, the David Schiff, um, PCICU. So for cardiac patients, um, that space was, uh, offered to the adults, um, before, you know, so that we we were able to kind of like help help with the influx in the adult patients that were at the hospital based on some of the space that we have. Um, but I would say the biggest thing is like the delay in care. Um, there have been some really great significant moves too, though, into virtual care and virtual visits. Um, that's been awesome. Uh, we heard a story a couple months ago about um, a young girl who was in traction, like, so, you know, around the head and kind of in like, and that would have never been possible. She would have had to come down to Edmonton every, you know, however often to get that done. But with COVID, they were able to provide the equipment in the home. So she was able to get that care and be, um, you know, using that equipment for the number of hours per day that she required. Were donations affected? Did you guys get less money in the last two years than you needed? Oh, I'm sure you always need more, but was that a significant downturn? Yeah, I think there was definitely, I mean, I think that uh, certain parts of our business for sure were like, some were up, some were down for sure. Uh, We were fortunate, like the the program that I work in, in Children's Miracle Network, you know, where it's two, five, ten dollars at a time um, was was pretty good. But generally events, because like I said before, it's about 50% of our revenue, those were down for sure. So not, not having events um, definitely had an impact. Now, the foundation is recognized as, w- as one of the best-run charities in, in Canada, um, if I'm not mistaken. And, and um, we always hear these horror stories of some charities where 
very little of your donation actually makes it to where it needs to go. Um, that, that some charities are obviously top heavy and, and with executives and, and everybody having their hand out. Um, but uh, I believe the Stollery is one, some awards are recognized by, is it Imagine Canada? Is that who? Yeah. Maybe you could yeah. tell us about that. Um, so basically it's always, you know, our cost to raise of dollar, we try to keep as low as absolutely possible. Um, and I believe, I, I think it fluctuates a little bit. I know the last time I, I asked the number, it was 8%, but I do feel that that might've been like a lower number, but, you know, we always try and keep it as low as possible. Um, I know that, uh, you know, as you know, it still takes people to doing the things, making the ask, getting those things in order to get the donations. So there is definitely a cost, but it is um, at our, we try and keep as lean as possible. Hey, let's great. I got to jump into too with a story that happened to me at the story. Now I have not been in a situation where I have required the services for children at all. However, I have done various fundraising activities with the story. And I remember at one particular one meeting a young little girl, like really tiny. And there's a thing called a Berlin heart. I don't know if it's still around. It's basically, it's, it's kind of like a pacemaker for your heart, but it's outside of the body. And when you get a chance to hold the little, uh, the little Berlin heart in your hand and you can feel the heartbeat and you see how this child is responding to what you're holding in your hand. There's something really, uh, powerful about that and like i said i i don't have kids but i'm hoping at some point there'll be grandkids and i'm just hoping that uh, everybody kind of understands how important it is to make sure that we all contribute to make sure that that uh, that little girl i don't know whatever happened but i certainly hope that wonderful things happen and that she it, becomes a doctor and works at the stallery at some point. There's just so many great, there are great stories. There's also real tragic stories there too, but Angela, it's so important that everybody just jump in and help out. Absolutely. And that Berlin heart is amazing. I heard of a little boy who, um, yeah, was basically kept alive for seven months through the Berlin heart, um, while waiting for a transplant. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's incredible. As we start to wrap up here, um, maybe you can tell us about some upcoming events that you might have co going on this summer, this fall here. Oh my gosh. There's so many, it's so hard to keep track of. Um, yeah. there are so many community events, of course, that take place, um, in and about your community. Uh, some of the ones that are stallery, um, initiated are the, um, we'll have joy, uh, joyride or, uh, and that's like a bicycling, a virtual bicycling event that's uh, taking place um, in June, I believe. In May, we have the Million Reasons Run. Again, another virtual kind of peer-to-peer -peer, um, event. Uh, lemonade Stand Day is always a really fun one that we do. Simple Supper sponsors a Lemonade Stand Day in August, and that's where young kids in your neighborhood um, will sell, sell lemonade, essentially the basics of fundraising. And I mean, prior to COVID, we had nearly 700 stands, um, wow. but there's always something going on. There is, we always have an opportunity to donate. <laughs> exactly. You guys to make it really easy. The Mighty Millions Lottery is now twice a year. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so for people who have never bought a ticket for that, you guys give away houses and cars and cash and vacations. Um, okay. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that lottery. Yeah, well, um, I do believe we just closed the, um, the loop on our spring lottery and there will be another one in the 
fall, uh, kind of like that August, September timeframe. And again, that's a really great way to support um, kids and a great way to have a chance to win a really beautiful house or a nice car vacation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, it's a, it's a win-win in those cases. As a realtor, I'd like to know how far in advance are you guys planning these houses to make sure that they're ready to go for the lottery? Hey, I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But I can imagine very far because I know that, you know, there seems to be like some supply chain issues these days. Yes. Yeah. So, so but it's absolutely incredible. And, and if anybody's ever been in, in these houses, they're, they're not just a regular house that they're giving away. These are something uh, pretty spectacular. Yep. Absolutely. Besides money, is there anything else that people can do to help the Stollery uh, Foundation? Um, I mean, there's always things, you know, just spreading, spreading the word, talking about, um, you know, how it may have impacted them, somebody they know, um, you know, creating their own fundraiser. Uh, you, I know um, volunteering is, is a little bit, I think it's coming back, but it's uh, a little That's bit- what I was going to go yeah. for. Is there volunteering opportunities for people? Yeah, right now, um, still like because COVID's still kind of out there and around, uh, the hospital, like the in in hospital opportunities are pretty much still zero. Um, Always like those events that are happening um, that people can volunteer for or participate in that kind of way. We have a drive-in movie coming up here, I think at the end of June of cinema. So, yeah. Excellent. I have a a client who, uh, you know, pre-COVID, uh, her her dog had a job was to visit the the Stollery Hospital a, a few times a week, and they would go to work because uh, yeah he had work to go to, and so she was retired and that was uh, we're I'm taking her dog to work today, and and he'd visit the kids in each of the beds. It makes an amazing difference, like that mm-hmm. pet therapy program. I have heard kids that that's the reason they're going to get out of bed and walk down the hall. It's not going to be because the doctor or the nurse or their mom or dad or caregiver told them to. It's because they need to take the dog for a walk. Um, It's because that dog that's laying next to them is calming them before they go into surgery or gives them a little bit of light, you know, reminding them of home or reminding them, you know, calming them for whatever reason. It's a great program. We'll we'll, uh, wrap it up here, but I thought before we go that perhaps you could give us a story of a a child or a family that's been recently helped by the the foundation. Gosh, there are so, so many. Um, I know of a one that's um, near and dear to the Remax family, actually. And that was a young young girl who was born with um, a brain tumor. And um, she had multiple surgeries and it was their first child. And she'd gone through surgeries and then chemotherapy, radiation, all of that, and has just, was just cleared, like, uh, I believe like February, March of this year, um, for, for her brain cancer. So we wish her like the greatest, you know, greatest success story ever, but I mean, gosh, it's really, really difficult, but having those, um, having the best care right here in your backyard is really important. Exactly. And I think you're, you're talking about, uh, an office mate of mine, him and his wife, uh, Ken, and, and I apologize. Uh, I, I can't think of Ken's wife's name, but, uh, yeah, they did share the story at our office and it's, it was, is it truly, it brings it close to home. So if you don't think that, you know, somebody, uh, that's been affected or needs the, the children's dollar, um, you're probably mistaken that you, it's probably closer to home than you really think. How can people donate? Oh gosh. 
Absolutely. Any way possible. Of course you can donate um, online is probably the quickest, easiest, like most accessible, but there's always opportunities to donate. Um, like I said, whether that's at your local grocery store, when they ask, whether that's at uh, the child next door is having a birthday party. And instead of getting gifts, they're collecting money um, or whether it's buying lemonade at the lemonade stand. Um, there's lots of ways to, to donate and make a really great difference. Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, before we go too much further to Brent, how do people get a hold of you? Well, if they would like to talk about real estate, uh, you can always reach our team directly at 780-464-0075 or find us on the web, macintoshgroup.ca. And that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brent Griffiths. He's Brent McIntosh, and we'll see you next time. 